I'm so in charge I'm, of a lot of things. Yes. So I was too busy. You drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> Well, 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 welcome to Between Sundays. I am Tyler, and if you thought all those fish were too heavy, just wait until your nets are full of tangled people. You were made for more purpose, friend of the pod, and we are going to discover that together. We're going to leave everything behind to grab hold of it. Get out of the boat of shame. Barry is here to tell us why he made us imagine a town that smells like fish in his sermon last weekend. And Maggie Johnson is here to recap the first day of Rooted. But first, now that they're finished washing their nets, even though they didn't catch a single thing last night, let's welcome in our favorite no-name fishermen who have no business being in the presence of a rabbi, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. <laughs> the clean intro. It was really good. Yeah. Was yeah. Nice. Nailed it. Yeah, I, I didn't get into that, but I also wonder why did they have to clean their nets? There were no fish in them. They probably just yeah. caught like boots and things. I can answer Seriously. that. What? What I is did, it? I did a little bit of research. Did you? I, okay. You know, like I a wet so net. The, the, cleaning their nets didn't just mean like washing the uh-huh. net. It meant uh, sorting out things that were not fish. So like right. they so would have like, like cleaning their net could have meant like get that crab out of here, you know. Oh, uh, so they were picking the picking other yeah they're like sea animals like out of the nets. Through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. And probably now that I think about Way it, to step all over the intro, Marin. Glad I could help. <laughs> Glad I could help. They probably had to resort them so they could cast them. You know how they cast the nets? It would yeah. Have you ever seen all that? tangled up? Yeah. So they had to do that probably. Maggie, good day. <laughs> Friend, friend of the pod, <laughs> back a second time. I know. I feel Repeat so appearance. Special. Thanks for being here. Yay! There it is. Wow. <laughs> oh, you're, you're a little off your game, Guys, Tyler. Guys, I am definitely off my why, game. Why are you off your game, Tyler? And why are we starting 15 minutes late, Tyler? So here's the deal. <laughs> All I want in this place is a hot cup of coffee. Is, is that, that too much to is ask? That too much to ask. When Jackie is not here, yes. Mm-hmm. It's uh, too much to ask. I showed up. I've been here all day. I showed up to this green room at 146th Street Campus where we record, and I, and I saw, I don't know if it's been there forever, but I saw two things. <laughs> I saw a Keurig, and I was like, oh, great, because I usually get hot tea, but I was like, Keurig, I'll get some coffee. Yeah. I didn't know this was here, so I looked for coffee. Then I should have known when I saw that there was only decaf it was only going to go awry from there. Yes. There's only decaf for the Keurig. So the road you don't want to walk, Tyler. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, you know, I just want something hot at this point. We're going to start the show in a few minutes. I'll get some decaf. So I put my cup that I brought from home into the Keurig, hit the brew button. Nothing happens. I pull my cup out because I'm like, oh, well, I guess it's broken. I'm going to go get some coffee somewhere else. As soon as I, and I go to the restroom, when I come back, there's coffee <laughs> all over the counter. And we're, we're five minutes late at this point already. And so, guys, you helped me clean up the coffee. Because you made an even bigger mess. Yeah, I picked up the Keurig to, and kind of turned it upside down. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? There's coffee going everywhere. It is a disaster. A double disaster, because now you're coffee-less. Well, yeah. I have some tea now. Okay. <laughs> but there's half, there was like... A tenth of decaf in my cup, so it ta- my tea tastes terrible. So then we're both off our game because we, I had this this tea bag in my pocket that I was one of those going days, to make man. for this show, but because just I was busy helping you. Of those days, wow. now all I have is water. What a way to start, guys! <laughs> we're off and running. Off yeah. And also, running. is this screen new? What the screen here? 
I think it's been here. Has it? Oh. There's a screen for anyone listening. There's a screen that shows what people on Facebook Live are seeing right now. It's the screen's been Maybe there, it's but been, it's never been on. Oh, there's the problem. Now you get yeah. to look right at yourself, no, it is Marin. incredibly distracting. <laughs> <laughs> get to look right at yourself. Um, guys, all three of you. Yeah. What's new? What's happening? What do I need to know? Man, I am just, I probably shouldn't even go first. I'm, I'm. Well, okay. I'm emotionally drained. <laughs> Go first. It's not all. It's not all bad. I'm just drained. Oh. Like this weekend was great. We had we had uh, the the sermon and the the service itself was really good, and I got lots of good responses and heard some cool things. I'll talk about those in a little bit from some people who responded to the sermon. So I was energized by that. Had a lot of great conversations yeah. with people. We had Rooted the the kickoff of Rooted, which was amazing. And I didn't Nailed even it. have really anything to do at Rooted. I just sort of oh, showed you, up. You were there. I was there. I showed up and I talked to people and it ended up becoming an extended like lot post sermon lobby time yeah. with people from all three campuses. So I ended up having a ton more conversations about the sermon, That's which was really super cool. cool. Um, and it was awesome. I mean, what was it 750 ish people that were yeah. there? Oh, that's uh, cool. It was, and it was so it was packed and there's a lot of energy and it was like, everybody's walking around like, Oh wow, this is cool. Yeah. Everybody seemed, most people seemed more excited than, uh, than they probably were when they signed up. Good. So it was cool. Yeah, it was very cool. But my day was beset by a bit of just heart rending stuff for myself. Uh, what? And it it what took happened? away from being able to kind of go home on a Sunday afternoon, evening and recoup a little bit. So I'm still recouping now. But so yesterday, uh, around nine 15, I get a text from Olivia. She says, I'm not going to be able to come to the 11 o'clock service because a person I know, uh, it texted me on Instagram and said that she had a, an orphaned baby rabbit that her, that her cat had dragged to her house mm. and she's like, so I'm going to go help rescue it. And yeah. so she drives down, turns out there ended up being two. This cat brought another one. They looked everywhere for the nest. Cause if that happens, the best they're wild rabbits. The best thing to do is to bring them to the nest and let them just be with their mom. Is a bunny house called a nest? Yeah. Did it's you not say a house. Bunny house? <laughs> Whatever. <you know. laughs> they live in a nest, bunny nest. Yeah. Oh, like like right. the, the mom will dig, like, dig a little shallow is it like hole. Den? Like is maybe one of our viewers knows the proper answer. I'm pretty sure it's a nest. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's basically like I have no idea. It's a grassy I'm just, I'm depression. Yeah, like Fox and the Hound, where the fox lives in its little That's a den. Okay. So not that. <laughs> hey, Siri. They're, they're not deep. <laughs> Okay, we'll I could be that. wrong, yeah, but I believe I could be wrong. I believe it's a nest because they they're really just like shallow. <laughs> no, oh, Siri, Siri's listening. talking to you. Yeah, there's like a shallow hole. <laughs> Thank you, Siri. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay, anyway, yeah. so Liv brings back to our apartment uh, these two little orphan baby rabbits. One of whom has not yet opened its eyes. The other one. Oh, so has, these are brand new rabbits. They are teensy, and yeah. the other one had been like had like a cut on its back from the, from the cat. And so anyway, so we, she, she looked up all the stuff and got connected. And the best thing to do in that situation is to get in contact with a licensed wildlife rehabilitator and, uh, or to take them to a clinic that can handle them like the avian and exotic animal clinic where we take Humphrey for his checkups. So yeah. anyway, but they're closed on Sundays. So basically the best thing for us to do was to try to keep these guys doing okay for the day and to get them to the clinic in the morning, this morning, uh, Monday morning. So 
good news and bad news. The good news is we got one of them, which we named Rocky because he was a real fighter. Uh, we got him to the clinic this morning at eight o'clock. The bad news is that one of the other ones, which we named Ben for some reason, uh, he didn't make it. So, oh. and it was real. I mean, it was really hard for me because I've, I mean, these guys are, they fit in the palm of your hand mm-hmm. and I was like feeding them with a syringe little bit, this like milk formula stuff that, and it was, it was just a really tender, powerful experience. And yet having one of them die and I was essentially yeah. watching him fade and it was, uh, it was awful. And I just no wept good. and wept last, last oh, night. No. I was already emotionally drained. You know how it is after a weekend, like Boy, all of your tanks, I. all of your tanks are empty. <laughs> and so that was all it took for me to just yeah. kind of like have to need this like big emotional release. So it was really, it was sad. And I've been bummed this morning. And of course, la- all night was basically a vigil hoping mm-hmm. that Rocky would make oh my it. Gosh. So we, and we, we, we bought a heating pad to put under his little box just to keep him toasty. And, but it had an auto off timer every three hours. Oh, so no, gosh. so Liv and I up were rotating. It was hours. like having a baby. We were rotating, getting oh up God. and it's like turning practice. it on and checking to make sure he was still breathing. And yikes. Anyway, so I'm not like a hundred percent. It'll be a great uplifting <laughs> pod today. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But the good news is like they both would have died if we hadn't done anything yeah. and Rocky made it. Hey, and so. you got to do what you can. Yeah. And really you're the only two people I know who would have gone to those lengths. Definitely. To well, do that. And it, and I realize it's, it may seem totally ridiculous to some people because you think, well, wild rabbits die all the time. Like literally 10% of them make it to adulthood. So, yeah. so what's the point? But I think for me in my life, I've become more and more uh, interested in trying to live out this idea of dominion. You know, we're supposed to have dominion over the over the animals. That's what it talks about in Genesis. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I realize, okay, if I'm a if I'm supposed to rule over the the animals in the world as a human and as as a representative of God, then I want to be a good ruler and I want to do what I can to help the ones that I'm coming in contact with. So yeah, that's what it was. I don't know. No, that's that. I, I'm trying to think about what I would do. What would you guys do? Because here's what I would do. Because I've done it. I've watched cats mess with yeah. animals like that. They don't kill them. They just play with them. Yeah. And my move 100% of the time is I'll just look away because I don't want to see what's happening. Yeah. Because it it's, it's not easy to look no, at. It's I don't distressing. like it. It's, it's yeah. not yeah. fun. And so I just look away. Don't even acknowledge that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you and Olivia are saints for taking that kind of time for like you were awake all night feeding ra- baby rabbits that you're going to what you gave them to a shelter. Right? We brought them to the to the clinic and they're going to give them to a, a licensed rehabilitator. Yeah. yeah, that's it's a lot. Way I more. know it's no, a lot. Well, and the fact that you would even know what to do, like even if yeah. I well, had, I wouldn't have because yeah, I would like, probably we have some diet you, coke. Yeah, yeah. like. <laughs> Well, we a didn't, syringe? we didn't, okay. yeah. we didn't know what to do, but because of all of our connections to rabbit stuff, oh, yeah. that's first of all, why someone why contacted Olivia. Mm-hmm. It's also how we know where to look to find the answers to all that. So if it was like a yeah. raccoon, I don't think we would have known what to do, <laughs> but because it was a rabbit, we, we figured it out and, uh, live now. I mean, this talk of, this is application for the sermon talking about finding the things that break your heart the most. I mean, she puts my passion oh, and man. care for animals to shame the amount that she loves and cares for animals. And she's like, I want to be a rehabilitator. I want to like, I want to yeah. be, so she may someday be like a Hamilton County rabbit, wild, wild rabbit rehabilitator someday. So who knows? Wow. This may have been an experience that becomes the perfect illustration yeah. of the sermon <laughs> that she wasn't able to see. So anyway, yeah, very cool. That's, that's me. That's all. The Bible says not a sparrow falls without a tear. 
from the one who created it, right? Like a sparrow. Like or at least he notices this every every sparrow that yeah. falls. Yeah. I'm going to have to look that one up yeah, because yeah, yeah. at least it speaks to your tender heart. Poignant. I probably <laughs> would have let the circle of life just continue rolling on, yeah. but yeah. you have a very tender heart. That's pretty cool. And death is the last enemy and God is the, the God's spirit. Wherever the spirit breathes, Psalm 104, there's life. Wherever the spirit is not, there's death. And I want to be where the spirit is. So I want to be a part. I want to be on the team life. Team life, team life guys. Let's Couldn't it. have said it better myself. <laughs> team life, guys. Uh, anyway, how are you, Marin? Yeah, Marin, what's going on? Sorry to be a downer. Uh, okay. Um, I don't want to be a downer. So. What is this going to be a downer podcast? <laughs> no, we'll turn it around. We got to show Maggie talking about a good time. We, we need her to come back. We need all the friends Maggie, in the we can get. You just wait till Maggie my life is up. in oh, the no. same boat that we are all mm-hmm. in. We, it's some yeah. weekends are more exhausting than others, and yeah. this was just a very tiring one. It just mm-hmm. was. I started my Sunday at Fisher's, um, attending at Fisher's, and then went to 146 for Rooted, where my son and I led. And then I went back to Fisher's because Jaden was doing drums for merch. Oh my God. Oh, then wow. I came back yeah. to 146 for Mary Poppins rehearsal. No, and then I went back to Fisher's to pick up Marin. my drumming oh, son. Oh my gosh. So it Are you just paying was... extra in taxes for like fixing 146th <laughs> Street? Because <laughs> I went to Fisher's three times oh, yesterday. Man. That's a lot of driving. Yeah, it was a whole lot. So just, just tired. You need a doctor's note. <laughs> <laughs> to stop doing all these things. I'm just tired. And that's not normal. It just was because of my husband being a rooted leader, so he couldn't get Jaden to Jay, where he needed Jeb's, to go. Jed stepped up Jed so that I didn't up. get a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go back and listen to the last yeah. episode to understand that. Yeah, so. and Jaden just helps out everywhere. So he was helping me here, and then he went and helped Kyle over there. and mm, Helps out everywhere. I wonder where he gets that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was just one of those days. So how are you doing today? Today, I am actually excited. Like, I'm super excited. I'm going to leave from here, and I'm going to go have a rehearsal yeah. for our first ever Spanish worship night, which is this Friday. That's so, awesome. What cool. is this? What are you talking about? Um, so, we're... I, th- I, don't, I hope I explain this correctly, and please forgive me if I don't, but um, the desire, I think... Um, from our Venezuelan community is to have one night a month of just worship in their language, which I don't speak fluently, but I love to sing whenever I get the chance. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, Abraham is kind of leading the music end of this thing. And he sent me six songs um, all in Spanish and I'm leading two of them, but singing backups on all the rest. And so it's been an immersion um, from our first staff uh, Spanish class that Maggie was at. Um, when was that? Thursday? That was Thursday. It From feels Thursday like it was to now. A long time ago. My <laughs> brain has done more yeah. back and forth Spanish English than it has like ever. There's multiple mornings that I woke up um with Spanish lyrics. Like woke up oh. singing Spanish lyrics. So wait, you're 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 uh learning Spanish so that you can do this worship service. Oh no, no, no. I'm learning Spanish because I've always wanted to learn it fluently. My grandfather's from Mexico City and I grew up singing with him. Um and he'd sing in Spanish and I'd sing in English and sometimes mm. we would double up. But it's just something that I promised him I would do a long time ago and always uh just kind of was waiting for a chance to be able to do it. So the, the the staff class that we're taking isn't a fluency thing. It's going to help us just communicate in conversational Spanish better. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, is it only 12 weeks? Something like that. I don't know. So I don't, sign up. I don't think we're going to leave the <laughs> class, you know, being fluent. 
so um, away and it's, means, but it, it'll help us communicate with our people. It's probably helpful if you're not aware of what's been going yeah. on at specifically the 146th Street campus. I mean, the whole church, but specifically 146. We have had a growing number of Latino families joining Grace Church who are coming at 11 at 146th Street because we offer live uh, Spanish translation. Yes. We have a radio thing that they can use devices. And what's happening is now that the crisis in Venezuela is continuing to just boil over, um, more and more folks from Venezuela, but other Latin American countries mm-hmm. as well have started to con- conglomerate here at 146th street. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're every week we're starting to run out of these translation devices. We're actually looking for completely new systems to be able to reach more people. It's happening over and over again. And, and now I would say there's, there's, over a hundred families that in some way consider themselves to be a part of Grace Church. And the thing that's so crazy, we've talked about this on the pod in the past, but the thing that's so amazing is that they don't want their own church. Yes. Mm -hmm. They want, they want to be a part of Grace Church. They want Marin to come sing. But yeah, but (laughs) it's, it's one of their desires, even though they don't want their own church, it still would be great for them Mm -hmm. to have an experience to worship in the language that they- And great for- me in particular yeah. and for any of us right. to join them yeah. the way they've joined us. Right. And it's really this mutual thing and it's how we become one and not just, right. okay, like we're going to fold you into us and yeah. you're just going to assimilate right. to our culture. We don't want to do that. Nor yeah. do we, nor it's, do we want to spin you off and say, okay, right. you guys go have fun as your own right. church. No. We're going to, this is a new, this is a new thing in human history. We are trying to bring these two cultures together. To it's never co- been done. I'm sure it's been done. <laughs> I'm sure it's been done. In, a, in grace, history, grace history. Yeah. It, and very, un, it's not very common in central Indiana. I'll say that. It's hard to do. Yeah. It's really hard to do. When well, I, especially if a week before you start learning the language. Also true. <laughs> Also true. But music makes it a whole lot easier. Even in Ukraine, I noticed that when they would speak in Ukrainian or in Russian, I would feel so lost. But when they would sing, just the tempos and the speed at which these songs were taking place, it kind of slows it down. Mm-hmm. It breaks it up maybe syllable by syllable and mm-hmm. it helps you understand language better. So yeah. yeah I'm and all you have to know in, in Ukrainian is the entire Cyrillic alphabet. That's all. Spanish is just so NEA. I actually, on my texting now, I have the Cyrillic alphabet, the Spanish alphabet, and the English alphabet, which is not as fun as it sounds because it toggles back that and forth all the time when I don't want it to. And even if I go to like voice text, like the other day it was on the Spanish one. And so, so I'm it's like voice texting in English, into- but yeah, it's making all kinds of crazy stuff oh, I'm not no. saying. So, so that's this week. Accepted. That's this Friday. This Friday. Is it an open invitation? Yeah, can thing? anybody go, or is this like a um, the only closed deal? I don't. It's not a closed deal. Definitely not. Um, the only thing I will say is it's happening in a student ministries room, so it's smaller. So, okay. I mean, I think it would be awesome for people to be able to just to join the way that. Yeah, I mean, it would be awesome. It's gonna be and awesome. Here, here's why it's gonna be awesome is because you. You two, Barry and Marin, have at least been to Ukraine. I don't know what countries you've been to, Maggie. I hope we get to hear this yeah. uh, when we start asking about your story. Oh, but you will. <laughs> uh, at least when, in our experience in Ukraine, one of the most beautiful things is when we're in a room and we're singing songs that we kind of all know, but at least two languages, possibly three, are being sung. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like no one is singing the same words, but... We're just singing different in this. We're singing the same words in different languages and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So here's why it's going to be beautiful on Friday. If you come and you don't even know Spanish, 
is because you're going you're going to hear what I always called in Ukraine like that. I bet that's what he- heaven sounds like. Mm. Yeah, you're going to hear Marin, who your main language is English, singing mm-hmm. in Spanish. If I'm there, I have no idea how to speak. I took eight years of Spanish, but I, I have no idea how to speak. <laughs> oh, eight my goodness. years, guys! I wasn't the best student. <laughs> So I took the same Spanish class like four times. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. And so if I'm there, I'm singing in English because I, I don't know enough Spanish to sing. After eight years. It wasn't eight. Well, eight <laughs> years. Eight. Yeah, it was eight years. It was four years in high school, four years in college. Yeah, it's a tough time. But uh, yeah, it's going to be beautiful because there's going to be, it's just participating in what I imagine heaven sounding like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Between that and Mary Poppins, got a lot to look forward to. Oh my goodness. Mary Poppins. That is in full swing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I can't dance. Prove it. Oh, I will. (laughs) Come see Mary Poppins. (laughs) Our, uh, no. Yeah. It's, it's so tough. Our, our choreographers are amazing and they really help, uh, in as much as they can break things down to people who are not trained (laughs) dancers. Um, and yeah, it just has taken a whole lot of work on my yeah. part because my, my. Yeah, I learned that the hard, hard way when I was in uh, Les Mis a couple years ago. I had to do one dance, the waltz, and to this day, I've never <laughs> done it correctly. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so in the next couple weeks or months when tickets go on sale and all that stuff, we're going to bring the Mary Poppins people in here. Yes. And- they can tell you about tell my, us all about it. I can tell you yeah. all about the show. Oh <laughs> everybody's going to be doing. I guarantee it. Yeah, we're all going to have just terrible, terrible <laughs> attempts at British accents. Um, I would hope you would have more faith in us than that. Nope, I don't. <laughs> <think> <laughs> all right, Maggie. Thanks for joining us wait, today. Wait, wait, wait. What? How are you, Tyler? Oh, guys, I'm fine. Great, Maggie. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Uh, all right. So here's what's new with me. So. The past weekend, terrible weather, right? Yeah. It was just raining the whole time. Well, I, uh, Thursday and Friday, I didn't feel that great. I was just kind of under the weather. Uh, Lauren, Literally. my wife. Yes, I was under the weather, under the weather. Uh, Lauren, not feeling that great. Milo, sick. Well, guess who can't stay in bed when you have a sick kid? Mm-hmm, yeah. Me. Every parent, yes. Well, I found that out the hard way. So... Friday, I'm not feeling, or Saturday, I'm not feeling that great, but we have a full day of activities because Milo loves the library. So we go to the library. The best thing in the world is to go to the library with a, with a really, with a kid who's really happy to be there Mm -hmm. because he just screams the whole time. He's like, yes. (laughs) I'm like, Milo, you gotta, you gotta whisper. (laughs) And he's just like, everything he sees, he's like, what is that? That's gone. He can't speak, but that's basically that's, what, that's he's what he's communicating to you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that made it a little better. And I started feeling a little bit better, but I learned the hard way that I can never be sick again. It used to be great being sick that I could just like milk it, get some soup, like <laughs> lay on the couch. He used to wish, Lord, please yeah, let me be sick yeah. this weekend. <laughs> and now it's like, nope, still got to entertain this little guy. There does come a point where they don't require as much entertainment and then you well, can have your sick days back. After one time, I'm ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it'll be the last. But the library was great. I don't know, uh, Maggie, you've got a little one. Have you taken Penelope to No, I have no time. I don't even know. 
And see, I'm also, we were sick this weekend, so I'm losing my voice, as you can probably tell. Oh, you were sick the whole fam? Yes, the whole Oh, fam. no. All right. Mm-hmm. So maybe they went to the same library you did. Yeah. And maybe it spread the germs around. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, so that's what's new with me. Just uh, bad weekend, sick weekend, but uh, Milo had a great time in the library. We are all just coming in here. <laughs> Uplifting podcast. Yeah, we are. We're all rode hard and put up wet. That's what we are. What does that mean? I've never heard that. I believe it's an old cowboy expression. Yeah, yeah. If you you ride your horse really hard and then you let it drink and then you just put it in its stall, it's really bad for the horse. You gotta like rode hard and put up wet. You gotta you gotta let it drink and then you gotta walk it around and let it cool down first. Everybody knows that. No, I mean, (laughs) I don't. Euphemisms all around. Cowboy euphemisms. Maggie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. How Give us some hope. In the Maggie. world, are you? I'm good. Yeah. So, all right. Let's talk about you for a second. Mm-hmm. I want to hear who you are. I mean, you've been here before. We talked about your Advent devotional last time you were here. Uh, but I want to. We didn't get a real chance to discover more about Maggie the person. So I want to hear about who you mm-hmm. are. You're on staff here at Grace. You work at the Fisher's campus primarily. But can you tell us who you are, what you do? Um, how you came to Grace, how you came to Grace staff, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I'm Maggie Johnson, and I am the Rooted Director at the Fishers Campus. Um, I came to Grace as an attendee first because my husband, Will, who those of you who attend the Fishers Campus know him as the bearded, always wearing a hat worship leader. (laughs) Yep. Um, He's my husband. So he was actually hired um, onto staff first, and then about a year later, I joined staff as the young adults director. Um, so I was co-worker with Barry. Oh yeah. That's right. I Co-workers hired, I hired in here. Maggie. I'll All take right. the credit. He did. Cool. Yeah, it was a very intimidating interview. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. It wasn't. It wasn't. wasn't. Okay. I was going to say, no, <laughs> no. Um, so then when all the transitions happened this last year, um, I transitioned into a campus specific role at Fisher's mm-hmm. leading. For rooted. rooted. Mm-hmm. How's that going? So we just had the kickoff last yes. night, as we were talking about. Great. And it was incredible to see months of hard work mm. just come to fruition yeah. in one room. Um, Dave Rod, actually, we were debriefing the kickoff this morning in a meeting, and we were talking about how he just was walking around the room just over and over again saying, wow, mm. whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Cool. Like, that was his word of choice, which was awesome. And I think that was how all of us felt seeing everybody come in and even before people started to arrive, seeing the room set up and knowing that each one of those chairs was going to be filled with someone who was either nervous or excited or Mm -hmm. wasn't sure what to feel. Um, It was just, yeah, very sobering. You know, I love when I get to go to North Carolina and see my sister and I love when I get to go to North or South Bend and see my other sister or when I go back to Chicago and I see my mom, but there's something so special about when we all get together. Mm -hmm. And that's what yesterday felt like to just have all three campuses together, uh, sharing this experience together, worshiping together. It's just like when family comes together, it just felt so special for me. Well, and not only that, but there are people at the North Indy campus and Fisher's campus who have never been to the 146th street building. Really? Mm. That's cool. And for many of them to come here for the very first time and they hear us, you know, every weekend and throughout the week talk about how we are one church in three locations, Mm -hmm. but for them for maybe the first time to experience that one church feel um, last night was incredible. So, cause really the last time we did anything like that was two years ago at the 25th anniversary. Yeah. And some of the people weren't even there. I mean, there were, right young adults, at least at Fishers, who 
just started attending Grace Fisher's a month ago. Yeah. And now they're doing Rooted and their first time walking into this building. So. Wow. So how, how, I want to hear more about you because the first time I ever saw who you were, you were on stage with Dave Rodriguez in Fisher's in a cafetorium. Oh gosh. I was like, what are you Getting interviewed say? <laughs> with like a purpose quilt or something. <clears throat> And uh, I learned that you're an eight on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. I'm an eight. That's why I remember the, the 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 moment is because I was like, oh, I've never even met a woman who's eight. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Let me tell you. Yeah. So um, how how has your job here at Grace, your, your um, I don't know, Barry preached on purpose and mission. So how has your job and who you are really kind of come together in this in this season for you? Yeah, so <clears throat> if you've been around Grace for any time at all, you know that we are passionate about stepping into places where God is working to heal the brokenness of our world. And for me, I feel like this season, being a rooted director, I'm on the front lines of seeing so much brokenness in people's mm-hmm. lives individually and hearing their stories. Um a couple weeks ago, we did the rooted leader training and I stood up before the Fishers leaders and told them, you know, I have looked at these group rosters and I know the stories of many of these people. Mm-hmm. And so as an eight, I'm really passionate about justice and <clears throat> seeing healing and bringing healing, being the person who steps into hard places. Yeah. Um, I really like stepping into hard places. It's probably not <laughs> a good obsession. It's sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but, we can get in trouble for that sometimes. Yeah. But in this instance, um, it's really hard to start a brand new program mm-hmm. at a church yes. our size. Yeah. And it is really hard to talk to people about committing 10 weeks of their life to something um, that I believe will change them. But still, that that's a hard thing to sell. Yeah. And um, to walk with them through a lot of those conversations like strongholds mm-hmm. and just breaking free from some of the things that have held them back, I think God intentionally put me in this position for this time because it is hard, but it's going to be so good. Yeah. So now that Rooted has started, what do you do? What does a Rooted director do? Because you guys have been working your fannies off. (laughs) (laughs) Good self-editing. Since, I don't know, January or February, just like Mm -hmm. preparing for this. And now it happened. Dave's walking around saying, wow. You know, and so <laughs> walking around saying, wow, what, what do you guys do now? Are you done? We're done. Uh, no. Okay. So what, what, <laughs> what's your role? How can people, especially in Fishers expect to hear from you or what, what are you going to be doing? Yeah. So <clears throat> Jesse explained it well a couple of weeks ago when she was on the pod of, Oh, so you listen. Yes, I do. Thanks. I'm a friend of the pod Thank you. in more ways than one. FOP. FOP. <laughs> F-O-P. <laughs> Um, we're leading leaders. And so we have done everything we can to work on these group rosters and to equip the leaders. So from here until I think November 16th is the celebration for the fall session of Rooted. Every week, my job is to pour into the leaders so that they can pour into their group. Mm. And on top of that, in November, we're going to be offering or we're going to be opening up registration for the winter session. Mm -hmm. So it's prepping for Another cycle. Another cycle. Mm -hmm. So twofold pouring into the leaders and prepping for future seasons. Yeah. 
So my husband is one of those leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, how awesome will he be at the end of these 10 weeks? He's what can I be. expect? Do you need you... a lot of change to happen? Between now and then? If he's not a new man, I, you can email me directly and say you want your money back. Jed, you're put on notice. And also, do you need a cup of water? I'm very concerned. About I would have you offered right coffee, but it exploded no. before we went on air. Okay. No, a bunch of coffee under you. the uh, under the counter yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, okay. So, how's being married to Will? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I can talk about that. So, if you, want. you are. You, I mean, I, all, I There are a lot of people at Grace on Grace staff that are married to each other, mm-hmm. and I have friends who, and my family have asked my wife, would you ever consider working at you And both of us are like, yeah, no, no way. How is that? How is working with your spouse, especially at the same campus, in the same room, doing the same thing almost? Like you're interacting with him a lot. Mm-hmm. How he's is that? everywhere I go. Yeah. Yeah. One of he's my favorite home. things is when I see you guys eating lunch together <laughs> in the lobby here on Tuesdays. I'm like, if that's not just the cutest thing yeah. I've ever How seen. is that? I mean, you got to say it's good because you're on the podcast. No, I but don't have to say that. Just keep it between, just keep it between <laughs> no. the four of us. No. How is it? I'm really honest. So I will say when I was first told about the rooted position at Fisher's, my only concern was, oh man, I'm going to have to work with Will. (laughs) Yeah. Not meaning that like I was dreading it. It was more so that I knew that came with a whole new set of challenges because before my position was central support, my office was at the 146th street campus. His yeah. office was Fisher's campus. We never cross cross paths ever. We were never in the same meeting, um, prior to January. And so now we are in the same meetings. Yeah. His, I could literally throw a pencil and hit him in the head. Have you done that? Yeah, you've probably no. <laughs> not a pencil. Yeah. Maybe something else. Um, <laughs> and now we have the ability to carpool to work together so it's been interesting. We've been having conversations actually even just the last couple of weeks of how do we do this well? Mm. Because the last six months since the job transition has been survival mode. And mm. so we haven't been focusing on how do we make sure we're okay? Yeah. Because it's really easy to be at work all day, talking work, come home and still just keep yeah. talking about work. Oh yeah. my goodness. And we I can't even imagine. Terrible, terrible about drawing those lines. So yeah. Trying to be better about that. Wow. Mm. Uh, and you're not from here. You're from the South. Georgia. When did you move to Indiana? When you got married? No. So I graduated high school and moved to Chicago. I went to Moody Bible Institute. And um, I was there until I moved here. So I met Will. It's another thing you and Barry have in common. I know. That's right. Both went to Moody. Mm-hmm. Moody grads. Moody. The archers. The oh, archers. You guys are called the archers? archers? Yes. Do you know why? Uh, because there's a piece of architecture which is an arch, and so no, they, they yeah, not it. like that bow was, and arrow archers. Yes. That, well, that's yes. what the, they made the mascot into a archer like that, oh. even though the actual mascot is an archway. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's the Moody bad. Archers. It's real unfortunate, but yeah. that's you know. Yeah. All right. So I met Will my senior year at Moody. Fun fact: we met on Christian Mingle. You Ew. did? Yes, we did. Oh, great. <laughs> Your face doesn't say <laughs> no, that, what's that, coming I out. I don't of your know mouth. anyone else who's done that. That's awesome. <laughs> it was interesting. Um, yeah, we can talk about that another time. Yeah, we'll we'll save that for <laughs> uh, offline. Yeah, Valentine's Day pod. If you, if you want to know the story and you're listening to this, go, email. Go ask Will 
or you can ask me, but Will's a better storyteller than I am. So cool. <laughs> That's a great idea for Valentine's. Let's do an interview style where we have different people, different staff members around Grace talk about how they met their spouse. Yeah. Yeah, it was really bad. Sure that- <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> what? It is the grace of Jesus oh. that we are married because, and it, it was my fault. Our first date was the worst. Really? It's a, it's a pretty good story. What'd you guys do? Save it for the Valentine's Day pod. We're going to talk about it later. <laughs> anyway, so we met, um, and when I graduated Moody, he was living here already, um, getting his master's degree at Butler, and he was working at a church plant in Broderpool as a worship director there. And I graduated, and I was like, I don't have a job. He's in school. He has a job, so I guess I'm moving to Indy. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, so it made sense. Yeah. Would he have even moved to Georgia? No. He's from Wisconsin, so yeah. he does not do heat. Yeah, he wears a uh, a winter stocking beanie. cap. Yes, yeah. stocking, stocking cap. Yeah. It's he a wears winter, a, a thick cap winter when beanie. When it's ninety five degrees outside. Yeah, he does, and he has a beard. He's not gonna. Yeah. No. All right. Okay. So what? What? Especially because your your primary function is in Fishers. Mm-hmm. So if I'm somebody who's like, oh man, that Rudy thing sounds awesome. But you guys already started, so what do I do now? Like, what what are we telling people to do? <clears throat> well, uh, so you could wait until November. Okay. For, so that's the next time registration yes, opens. Registration okay. for our January session opens in November. I also know that um, there are going to be kind of low le- low commitment opportunities available at each campus to get connected in the meantime. So one of those is this Sunday um, from one to three at Holland Park. Fishers is having a fall picnic. All right. And so people can come. We're going to have a That's snow cool. cone machine, a bounce house, cornhole tournament. A bounce house? Yeah. Like well, I for guess the kids. for kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rev Kev in the bounce house. Yeah, no, he's not allowed. He's too tall. <laughs> too tall. All right. So that so, sounds fun. Yeah. So you're going to have more events like this mm-hmm. as we as we go are on. in between rooted. Yeah. Okay. We won't cool. just leave people hanging. Yep. That's good. Yeah. All right. So uh, before we started, Maggie confessed she did not listen to the sermon <laughs> this past weekend. <laughs> wow. Way to sell out Maggie. Okay. <laughs> I just, since you threw me under the bus, yeah, I'm going to climb back out from under the bus. It is because I was working during both services. Hey, we don't need to get we ready need for to know. To get ready the for show, rooted. The show's also, about talking about sermons. No. It's fine. No. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, it's all good. Wow. Is this how eights yes, deal with each other? We are very confrontational. Yeah. 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 This is this is fascinating. You throw watch. her under the bus and she crawls out from under the bus. This <laughs> yeah. is two eights having a conversation. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's I'm in charge about- of a lot of things. Yeah. So I was too busy. You drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, whatever. What? Haven't you seen that old SNL sketch where Will Ferrell's trying to convince his family that he's really important? And one of the things he oh. says is, I drive, <laughs> I, drive, yeah, I, I drive a Dodge Stratus. Uh, let's talk about your sermon, Barry. You All preached right. in our last sermon of the series. You were made for more. Yep. And you talked about purpose and calling. And really, you were made for this sermon. Mm-hmm. I was made for more. Yeah, more and of this. this. Yeah. More of this sermon. Because as long as I've known you, you've been about this like when you yeah. go when when i saw you speak on the high school retreat many years ago you talked about this yeah um and so i could tell you were fired up when you were speaking yeah um i couldn't stop myself from being fired up yeah you were super um just really helpful for people who are like yeah but 
I work in such and such a job. You're like, yeah, but that doesn't have to be it's not you, your you destiny. Could, yeah, that's not you, why you were born. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and that's actually, that's why I brought up the Maggie, uh, getting interviewed with the purpose quilt or whatever that's called, mm-hmm. uh, on stage is because that a lot of that interview a couple years ago was about this. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. about Maggie finding out who she is. Dave kind of taking her through a process of discovering more of her purpose and calling and that kind of stuff. And so can you give us kind of a snapshot of what you want, pe- what you wanted people to hear or take away if they haven't, uh, yet listened or watched the sermon yet? Yeah, for sure. And, and you're right that this is the topic that probably fires me up more than anything else. Uh, if you were watching the sermon and I was talking about people finding their destiny where their specific gifts meet the brokenness of the world, that this is sort of that for me, which is helping other people discover why they were born and, and yeah. their place in God's kingdom and all of that. So yeah, I get fired up. So basically the sermon itself, I was looking specifically at the story of Peter being called to follow Jesus in the gospel of Luke. It's a Peter being called to follow Jesus is like shows up in different gospels, but in the specific gospel of Luke, the narrative details are so rich and so cool that I wanted to focus in specifically on that story Yeah, because in that story, it, it is a moment where Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you were made for more. Not literally, but that's that's essentially what he's right. saying. He's yeah. saying, look, you think you're just a fisherman. And I got into sort of his, his, some of the likely background and how he may have felt about being a fisherman and about not being qualified to follow a rabbi and all that stuff we can talk about. But the idea is Jesus saw right through that, met him in the middle of that and said, you were made for more. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of painted the picture of who Peter became from that moment and um, just to, to illustrate the fact that every one of us has a purpose that, that when God looks at us, he sees us living into that destiny, that purpose, that reason that we were born. Um, and our job is not to be worthy or qualified for it. Our job is simply to live into it and to trust that when God says you were made for more, that he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And so I, I described how we refer to calling here at grace or I'm sorry, destiny here at grace, which is essentially where Ephesians two ten, which is, um, you know, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good things, which he had prepared in advance for you to do. And Romans eight twenty two, all of creation is groaning up to the present moment, just like in the pains of childbirth, uh, waiting for the children of God to be revealed. So in other words, uh, the, the world is broken. And I talked about the six broken places, which we've mm-hmm. talked about a lot, but the world is which, broken. Which, by the way, we need to update those graphics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's time. time. Rebranding every, Re- yeah, every we five got, years. Yeah, we got we to gotta figure that out. It's like destiny. You, you did the scotch tape on the chalkboard with the graphics, which are... They've they've had their time. I think it's time for an update. <laughs> they've had their time. Well, regardless, I talked about the six broken places and talked about how each one of us has unique things that we are wired to care about, and that that's not on that's not an accident. That yeah. God actually has wired us in certain ways. Yeah, like Olivia is not accidentally passionate about animals. God wired her in that way because there's a role for her to play in healing some of the brokenness in this world mm. uh, when it comes to humans and animals and, and our broken relationship and what it was meant to be. So as, as a case in point, uh, every single person has a reason for being born that has to do with God's mission to heal this world. And we all can live into that. All we have yeah. to do is surrender, surrender to the idea that God actually knows what he's doing. I've got a million questions. 
my first one is how do how do you do that? Because I I've surrendered. I think I've surrendered. I've been a Christian for 20ish years and I I still don't know if I know what I'm made for. Yeah. So how do I figure that out? Like yeah. I believe okay, if I'm someone who is in this this situation, if I believe uh, there's got to be more to life than what I'm doing. I'm just in this whatever job. I um, kind of a, in a routine of life where it doesn't feel like I'm really doing something that I'm passionate about. How do I figure out the thing that I was made for? Yeah, it's a great question. I And I wrestled with that because I didn't get into it. I, the sermon was not immensely practical. That's what the show's for. Well, right. It was more of an ideological sermon. So uh, I I'll say two things and we can talk about it because I think I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about this as well. Um, number one, it's a, something I've talked about a lot on in my sermons and in the past. I wrote a chapter in my book about it. Uh, the path of yes is what I call it, which is essentially um, the path that Christ followers take to become these radical world changing disciples. It's not jumping from he, from like where I am right now to like building an orphanage in, in, you know, East Africa somewhere. It's not, yeah. it's not that it's, it's what is the one small, possibly scary step that the Holy spirit is inviting me to take right now. Mm-hmm. And then I take that step. God comes through for me and somehow he uses me to, to heal the world in a small way. Okay. What's the next step, the possibly scary step that the Holy spirit is taking me is asking me to take. And it's, it's a lifetime of following those yes. one at a time steps of faith that leads to you. Then someday when you're late in life, you can look back and be like, oh, oh, that was why yeah. I was born. I can see the path. I can see that brightly lit path following behind me as I see the way that God has used me to heal the world. So mm-hmm. that's one way of looking at it. We could talk about that. The other thing that that's sort of a backwards looking you, legacy. You, it's a legacy. You, mm-hmm. you take the steps that you see right in front of you that the Holy Spirit is inviting you to take. And ultimately you begin to discern what that, what it was all about, what it was all Mm -hmm. for. Um, But the other way is more of a forward looking thing, which has to do with that idea of the calling quilt. So Mm -hmm. Maggie, can you explain, you had that experience, the, the calling, I think it was called a calling quilt. You said, yeah, never heard of it. Can you explain Uh, it to me? To be clear, we made it up. Alex. (laughs) Yeah. Just look right at me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Talking over here. So essentially he, Dave put up this t-shirt quilt where each little patch was a different t-shirt from, I think it was, it was my sister yeah. yeah, from her college career in high school mm-hmm. and things that she was involved in. And yeah. And the idea is that you take different parts of your life and different parts of your life, the hard parts, the good parts, the confusing parts make up, um, kind of this story that leads to you figuring out your calling or your destiny or purpose or whatever word we're using. But um, so what he did for me was we went through and this was, I wasn't entirely aware that this was going to be happening on stage. <laughs> what? That That's doesn't usually sound like how us. the best things happen. I was prepped to take a spiritual gifts inventory and that was about it. So <laughs> mm-hmm. we went through some main areas of brokenness and hard things, woundedness. It happened to me in my childhood as well as spiritual gifting. And Enneagram number. And Enneagram and number and all that. Skill sets. Um, yeah. And so, and we honestly, we do this in Rooted too. We don't use a calling quilt, but we talk about your spiritual gifts. Yes. Your brokenness, your strongholds, and the things that you're passionate about. And how all of those things work together. How God works all those things together. 
to point to your calling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the dad does this a lot with people. He will walk through a calling quote with people and he says it never fails when, when people see all of these things together in one place, Mm -hmm. patterns start to emerge and they say, Oh, I didn't realize that's cool. And so Mm -hmm. often it'll be like, wow, yeah, I really care about children and I really want to be I really, I've got a past <laughs> with anxiety and I really want to help children mm. who struggle with things. Like they start to see those things mm-hmm, come together mm-hmm. and then it's like, well, what if I volunteered there? Or what if I stepped into yeah. that? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what it, yeah. yeah. I wept on stage when it I was just great. saw it all laid out. Was it? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a good, in a good way. Yeah. It was like a release of, oh man. Okay. Yeah. It's starting to, it's starting to get clearer. Mm-hmm. So. That's the calling quote. Yeah. So, okay. So Olivia, mm-hmm. she's going to love that we're talking about her so much on this. No, she, she's a great example because through the past, I don't know, a couple of years, she's learned that she has this passion yeah. for animals and creation right. and that kind of stuff. Right. And it, and it started yeah, how for did her. It, that was my question. How does, yeah. how does it start? It started with sort of this, I mean, she's a four on the Enneagram. So this is part of her calling quilt, but it started not with necessarily a love of animals, although she has that. It started with a real devastation and despair as she became more aware of how animals are treated in the world. And uh, that started to begin like really kind of making her feel a lot of dark, frustrations and and anger, but now she's begun to realize God has actually kind of invited her to step into using that passion, that burning kind of why inside of her to begin reaching out to other animals. It's one of the reasons we have rabbits now. It's one of the reasons why we hopefully will have a property where we can adopt animals, maybe even, you know, give goats and chickens a great life and that kind of thing. It's because for her and for me, but specifically for her, she is becoming aware that this is something that, that actually drives her and it's something that pleases God as well. Yeah. So, and I think it's important that, I mean, I'm asking these questions because we've been in a series that all the, all the answers kind of tie up into what you just talked about last weekend. Like if you want to figure out what you were made for, if you want to start the journey of this process, you need community, you need people at stretcher bears who will support this passion of yours or this, this thing that you start are starting to care about. You need those people. You need a relationship with Jesus to find out where you belong in the story. And you need to come to grips with the things holding you back. Not in, in finding your uh, purpose or uh, calling. I don't know if any of that's possible really. And if you have less than all three of those things, right? Is it? Well, it's all, all four of them. All four of the weeks that we talked about, all of those things are working in concert as right. you follow Christ and become who you're meant to be. None of them, it's not an order. You don't get community first and then have a relationship with yeah. God. And it's, it, I think all through, I don't know. Do you agree with that, Marin? Yeah. I was looking at this story, um, Jesus calling Peter, um, and he didn't just walk right up to Peter and say nothing and then launch right into you were made for more. Right. <laughs> he started with a display of his power. Mm-hmm. There was like an actual miracle. He, mm. Peter had a revelation personally of the power of God. Now, what makes that interesting to me is the point you made about the possibility of Peter having already had somewhat of a familiarity with Jesus because yeah. he healed his mother-in-law. Right. So, so many times I think Christians and myself included 
can see God work a miracle in somebody else's life and say, well, that's cool for them. Right. But I mean, totally. he probably doesn't mean that for me. And so mm-hmm. Peter had a personal revelation of God's power in his own life right there in front of his own eyes. And his immediate reaction is a revelation of his own deficiency yeah. or sinfulness. Yeah. And there's that brokenness that you can't have growth and you can't have destiny without brokenness. Mm-hmm. I right. think it starts there. I think it starts with a revelation of who God is, a revelation of his power, mm. uh, a revelation of your own ineptitude yeah. and how it is not you that makes you great. It is oh, the yeah. living King Christ who makes you great. Um, so that's what I see in this story. Right. And he's a fisherman and the miracle has to do with catching fish, which is brilliant because it's like the, I mean, the best thing that could possibly happen for Peter before Jesus was to get a big catch of fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's gonna make him a few extra bucks so he can like hang out with his friends that weekend. Like that was the best thing. And Jesus is just like, fine here, boom, there it is. But that's not who you are. Yeah. You're a fisher of people. And so acts, P- Peter pulls in a catch of people. And I bet it says 3000 people. I, I heard someone said this, maybe my dad, I remember, somebody pointed out, they said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they caught 3000 fish that day because God's, mm. God's poetry is just that way that, mm. that so many years later, Peter would catch 3000 people in, in at Pentecost. Anyway. How long do you think Jesus was sitting on that? Uh, what is it? Metaphor? Sitting on that metaphor? Yeah. <laughs> he's been waiting to, he's he's been like, waiting to see he's that. He's like, well, I need to find a fisherman so I could tell them oh that they're going to be fishing men. Yeah. <laughs> can I, can I, here's one thing. This is, I didn't point this out, but you may not notice this, but there, there were other fishermen in the story. There's Peter's brother. His name's Andrew. There's also the guys in the other boat, John and James. All four of them were disciples of Jesus. They all followed Jesus. You mean Peter, James, and John in a sailboat? Peter, James, and John were fishing buddies. Yeah. Isn't that a song that I learned when I was three? Peter, James, and John in a sailboat. No? I did not learn Looky that Looky there! <laughs> <laughs> I have not learned that song, but what happened to Andrew? Like, why isn't he in the sailboat? He's like, guys. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I Go ahead. That's all. I was no, just pointing that out. I, when, when I saw that pattern of, you know, okay, power of God. Revelation of one's own sinfulness or maybe not even sinfulness, just deficiency. Moses stuttered. Um, Jeremiah thought he was too young. Hmm. Um, Gideon was in a wine press threshing grain. Yeah. What does that even mean? Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips, you know. It means he's a coward. That's what it it means. He's a coward. (laughs) But in all of those situations, those stories began with a with a revelation of the power of God speaking to them in some cases directly. Um, and then them giving God all the reasons why they they are no good. So like a conviction or just being exposed. Yeah. I think it's an exposure. I think that's why Peter reacted the way he did. Like, and, and even went as far as to ask the savior to leave him because he was exposed for, Oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not clean or I'm not, or, all the different things that people said, Isaiah saying, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Um, or Moses, um, what did he say? He, he said, I'm slow of speech and tongue. Uh-huh. And then God responds, who gave human beings their mouths? Ooh, I love that. Mic drop. I love that. Moses is like, what is that? He's like, it's a mic. It, you, don't worry about <laughs> yeah, that. Don't, oh, don't, by the way. Don't use me. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Who gave men their mouths? That reminds me, Barry, you were painting the scene 
painting a picture of the scene, you're like, town smells like fish, yeah. right? There's nets, there's fish, people fishing, yeah. people selling keychains. And I was like, did they have keychains no. back then? No. Leather oh. keychains. But the, the did they have, did they have keys? They had keys, but they would have been enormous and the <laughs> right. locks would not have been complicated. The ones like the ones like metallurgy was still being like yeah. figured out having that would have been for the ultra rich. Yeah. So. So I didn't hear anything else you said after that. I was just like, did they have keys? You, just, no. you were stuck there. <laughs> okay, yeah. Wait, though, can we go back to what you were saying? Because with people being aware, becoming aware of their brokenness, there's something really important that. I hope people don't miss is that when they become aware of their brokenness, it's easy to isolate and to push God away. But God is still in hot pursuit of us, even Mm -hmm. when we become aware of our, where our wounds are. Absolutely. And the scripture says his strength is made perfect in our Mm -hmm. weakness. So I think it's in that moment. Go Um, ahead, new King James. Hey, (laughs) yes. I think it's in that moment. Yeah. Um, I think it starts there. Yeah. He's like, all right, now I can use you. So you're saying, Maggie, when we learn that we are broken people, sometimes we're saying, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that shame festers in silence. And so the enemies, I, in my experience, the enemy's number one tactic when we're faced with our brokenness is to convince us that we are alone and that we oh, are not okay. good enough. And so we can tend to isolate and become silent and push God and others away. And I think that when we do that, a lot of times, I would say maybe every time God is still in pursuit of us because he. Oh is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it he's, wasn't, he's, it yeah. wasn't a good enough excuse for Moses. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't a good enough excuse for Isaiah, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. Jeremiah yeah. in, in every case they tried to say, you know, not me, Lord. Yeah. I'm not your guy. And they, right. that wasn't like the false humility. Not me. No, they were literally like, yeah, don't. Please. No, please. Anybody else. Yeah. And yet, what does Jesus say to Peter? Do not be afraid. Yes. I will make you a fisher of people. Mm-hmm. I'll make yeah. you fish for people, which I've got into there. And I hope this made sense to people, but I explained the fact that from my, from my interpretation of the passage, he is intentionally addressing Peter right where he is on his knees in his brokenness and saying, first of all, don't be afraid. Like you're you're good with me and Mm. like your, your sin, all the things that you think make me need to leave your presence are ridiculous. You're, you're fine. Yeah. And you'll be, I see you as a fisher of people. In other words, like right off the bat in the midst, as you're lying, as you're sitting there in your, on your knees, I see who you are going to become. I see the person you were made to be. Mm. So that to me is, I'd never thought about that before, but it's one of the most brilliant ways instead of saying like, no, I won't leave you. You're fine. It's okay. He just says, don't be afraid. I see who you're going to be. He says the same thing to Jeremiah. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Jeremiah says, alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rescue you. Um, He says the same, I think he says the same to Moses again and again, when met with people's, I can't, he's gentle. Mm -hmm. He says, do not be afraid. Mm -hmm. And I was hoping that people would hear that themselves. I talked, I tried to set up in the sermon so much of the things that we hear from our culture that try to tell us that we're, that we have no value. And it's really insidious here in our culture because most of it is coming from a voice of 
you don't have any value unless you mm. buy this thing or are a part of this or have this whatever. So it, it gets, it's not just people saying, yeah, you're worthless. It's like, it's not just bullies. It's more like this kind of shadow destiny that the culture is trying yeah. to sell us or to make money. You don't have any worth unless you can do something for me. Yeah. Oh, sure. So like, that's what stuck out to me when you were preaching is Jesus seeing what was possible in someone and how he always does that. And I, I, I just got back from Michigan a couple of weeks ago and we were on uh, like docks and my brothers-in-law fish and all that stuff. And I'm seeing anybody selling keychains. Uh, yes. No, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's people cleaning fish, like selling fish, bringing fish in on boats and stuff. And I don't even notice the guys fishing because those are just guys who fish to me. But Jesus is saying, no, there's more to you than mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. And so that's what I, that's what I was thinking is like how cool it is that that's how Jesus saw people. And it was convicting to me that I see people, what they do or what they could possibly give to me. Like those guys can clean my fish and that's it. And then we never see each other and that's it. But Jesus is seeing right. Them Someone with a destiny. Are. Yeah. Right. And that there's not, there's no such thing as a hierarchy of destinies or callings. I spoke to a woman a couple of weeks ago at Fishers who she was processing through where she wanted to get involved. And she said, you know, I don't, I can't sing or anything like that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hmm. That's being a part of the welcome team is just as vital as yeah. being on stage and singing. And so I don't want anyone to hear that. And I don't think anyone would hear that, but that there are certain callings or destinies that are more important or more um, glorious than others just because they're more visible. Right. The most important destiny is the one that was designed just for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I hit this home. There's not another soul that has mm-hmm. ever existed and never will exist that has your destiny. You're yeah. the only one who has it. You Pressure's have, on. Don't so, blow so it. Don't blow it. But it's so, so step into it. There's freedom in that yeah. because it's made for you only. Uh, yeah. That's it's interesting much, that yeah. you mentioned that. Um, Jaden was talking to me yesterday after I picked him up from drumming. <laughs> after my third trip to Fisher's, yeah. uh, we were driving home and he, I don't know how we got on subject, but he was talking about um, two summers ago when he volunteered as a lift buddy for our Grace Kids Camp. And he's like, oh, that kid was great. I, I miss that kid. And this was his name. And just kind of telling me that story. And he, Jaden knows full well that I worked with special needs students before I came here to Grace. Mm. And how much I loved that. Now my job is to sing on stage all the time. But how much I miss working with special mm. needs students. And, mm. and my son said, well, do you think maybe next year for kids camp you could volunteer as a lift buddy? And I was like, Jay, that is Aww. the best idea. That would That's make me awesome. so happy. So, yeah. yeah. That's, That's awesome. Cool. Speaking of that, that reminds me, uh, I was going to mention this. I had two people, and I'm sure there were others, but there were two specific people who um, I heard about how they responded to the sermon. One person walked right out of the uh, auditorium and marched straight down the hall to find out how to volunteer for Lyft. They were yeah. like, Great. you know what? They, it's cool. some, clearly, I don't know the whole story. Clearly, they had been waiting yeah. and unsure, and yet God... Hmm. tipped them off the, off the edge a little bit. And they, they did that. The other person came up to me and said, um, I, I'm going to go to grad school now. Like Mm I, I, I'm going to go get my degree in psychology. I want to be a counselor. Like this was the 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 tipping point for them. 
to do something as massive as that. So I don't know. I hope other people had experiences like that. And if you did, if God did say something to you and you are taking a step, I want to hear about it. So please email me, email Tyler, Marin, what just like, let us know. Cause I want to know. Yeah. I think destiny unfolds over time. Like you said, I look back to what I was doing when I was 20 and then what I was doing when I was 25 and what Mm -hmm. I was doing when I was 30 and just the different phases of life, (laughs) different (laughs) phases of life that, uh, you know, it it wasn't zero to a hundred, you know what I mean? Right. And each one of those phases was important for that time. Yeah. And it was a series of saying yes. Um, but saying yes, doesn't always lead you to super fun places. Mm. (laughs) And so I liked what you said in your sermon about had, had Jesus right then and there gave Peter everything, all of the information. And then you're going to end, you're going to end up being crucified upside down. Right, right, right. (laughs) Like, no, thanks. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Precisely. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's an unfolding as it was for him. Um, and it's an unfolding with, you know, highs and lows and points that Peter regrets, you know, having denied Jesus three times. And I look back over the last 15 years of my life and times that I regret. And that's, that's the race that, that we run. Um, and so, yeah, the destiny, it's not a, well, you're a stay at home mom and you are made for more, you know, it's not, it's not more things to do. Right. It's just a series of, Hey, you're a stay at home mom like I was. And right now you're saying yes to the kids that are in front of you. You're saying yes to this, this piece of what will eventually be your legacy. It's very, very important piece. So you think, okay, great. I love that you said that because it leads me to believe that your calling or what you were made for could possibly change. Do you think it changes? I think, yeah, I think calling will always be that next step. Okay. And it's, it, it so comes it's what's in next. seasons. For sure. Destiny is when your life is beginning to take on a shape of like, you know, we're 35, but when we're 70, we're going to see a shape of that our life has taken yeah. and it'll begin to help us understand more of our destiny. Like every time, every, I, I've gone through the same thing. Like every four or five years I look back and I think, oh, that's what it was all about. Mm-hmm. And then it's yeah. like four or five years later, I'm like, oh no, that's what it's all <laughs> about. And then you start to see it all fit together. And now I'm just like, I'm just going to give up and just let God steer the ship. And eventually I'll, yeah, I'll be able to figure it all out when I'm, when I'm dead and talking to him face to face. Yeah. So would you then say that destiny and purpose, we could use those interchangeably? I think so. We kind of do. Um, I don't know if that's right. There's a lot of... Uh, we do with the Venn diagram for sure. That's true. The world's that's broken. True. You yeah. were created for good works and where, where, where it intersects is what you're here to do. Right. Purpose. And that involves current actions as well as a, life, a lifetime of aligning with God's purposes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's... I'm glad you say it changes because every 11 minutes, um, (laughs) Marin tells me I need to be singing and writing songs and playing music. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but that was like 10 years ago when I did that. (laughs) And if I think right now I was made to be a worship leader and I blew it, like that was a long time ago. Uh, By the way, I never said that. What? That you were made to be a worship leader? No, I just think no, 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 that no. somebody you, you, with as much talent you, you as you should probably still be making music to some capacity. Yeah, you encourage <laughs> me to play music, not games. 
<laughs> yeah, so I'm like, maybe I was supposed, maybe I was supposed to be a worship leader in some capacity, impact people that way, and I blew it because I haven't done that in a long time. Like I do it voluntarily, but I don't do that on the scale that I once did. So maybe she's calling out something in me that I've just like ignored and I've ignored what God's calling me to. But if you're saying it changes, maybe I was meant to play games or maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe what you'll discover is your actual destiny is to be a worship leader, which uses, who uses songs to help rebrand grace church for the community of uh, board game enthusiasts. Grace church, you were made for more. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, man. Well, you never know. You never know. That's a terrible idea. That's not what God is calling you to. I'll tell you right now. Uh, You were made for less. (laughs) Much less than that. Um, Do you guys have this? Do you guys have a firm understanding of what you were made for in this season of your lives? I could try to articulate it. I probably will get it wrong. And again, five or 10 years from now, I'll be like, you thought that's what you were doing? Yeah, I think that's my fear. That's the six in me. That's like, I don't want to commit and tell you what I think my purpose is. Because what if, what if later on I'm like, oh, that was just indigestion. Like, right. (laughs) Right. I think, but all that to say, I know that for myself, I know I am, I've got certain gifts of like, communication and leadership and things that like that. I know that I am really worked up about people being separated from their purpose with God Mm -hmm. and separation from God is a big deal to me. Um, as well as I, I feel, and mine's probably a bit weird. I feel like God has given me at least a portion of a, of a burning heart for every one of the broken places. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways I feel like, um, I am here to help other people, discover their purposes in the kingdom of God, because, um, it, I've actually grieved in some ways, the fact that I can't just throw my entire self into fighting injustice. I can't just be the, I can't just fight only against hatred and racism and all that stuff. I, in some ways I have to be holistic because that will allow me to help other people discover their burning passions. Yeah. Does that they're make not, sense? They're not mutually exclusive. And they're, not, and they're not mutually. And so that's why I'm caring for animals and I, yes. I am working to fight injustice and I'm seeing how I can use my leadership to, to fight against racism and all that stuff. But yeah. it's like my main thing, the most, the most effective thing that I can do in this life is help other people have that aha moment mm-hmm. of hearing that they were made for more. And then ta-da! living into it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I, but again, five years from now, 10 years from now, I'll be like, no, it wasn't that. That wasn't it. It's something else. Yeah. yeah. But for now, that's kind of how I look at it. I think for me, it's, um, it's a, I don't want to put this under hate, but it certainly can be. It's been a theme in my life. Um, just bringing God's people together cross-culturally um, from childhood that's been a theme in my life. And so I think healing the separation between God's people, Mm. there are so many things that divide what should be a big unified family, so many silly things. And then Mm. other things that are a little weightier and really have to be grappled with. But I feel like I'm constantly put in situations, Mm. um, through the years where the Lord will use me as an instrument to kind of bring his people together and help them see they have more in common than they Mm. have not in common. You're great at that too, because we've had 
conversations and I've been like, let's get him. And you're like, <laughs> Tyler, bring him to the table. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Maggie? Um, I think the broken place that I'm most drawn to is isolation. And it enrages me when I see someone being left out mm. or sidelined or mistreated. Um, and I think the component of those situations that makes me angry is knowing that they feel alone. Mm. Um, so again, it's just perfect that this is my role right now because my role is helping people find community, yeah. getting involved in community. And I think like you, Marin, I am super passionate about the church being one mm-hmm. and us being unified. In my very first interview with Barry at Grace Church, um, Barry asked me why I wanted to be in ministry. What was the why behind all of this? And I started talking about this verse in Acts that says all the believers were united in one heart and one mind. It's good they, to quote Bible verses in they, your interview. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm getting this job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and they shared all their possessions as if nothing was their own. And to this day, that is my like motivation verse behind mm. why I do ministry because the enemy is doing everything he can to separate us mm-hmm. and from the most marginalized person to the most privileged person. God wants to unite us in one heart and one mind. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no, wow. and I would say you're really good at that too, because last week I talked about the anxiety that I go through and I've got a lot of people who emailed me, reached out to me to basically say like me too. What? You're about to throw me under the bus again. No, 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 no. <laughs> like they, they, they told me, I appreciate you doing that. And I, I, what do I know? Like, I'm glad I was able to do that. But Maggie, you were one of those people that were like, mm-hmm. thanks for doing that. It's good to not feel alone in some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you're really good at helping me because I like, I'm just speaking into the microphone that <laughs> just casting I, words into the abyss. Yeah. That, yeah. Like something I have a hard time with. And you're like, Hey, just so you know, like you're not the only one that does. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Tyler? Uh, so a long time ago, I did an, uh, an exercise that we called the North Star. Like, what is your North Star? Basically, what do you get up for in the morning? If, if you lose all direction, where do you point to figure out where who you are and where you're supposed to go? And it was made up of, there was like, you get to select two words, your number one strength and your number one passion. Hmm. Uh, and so my number one strength was I felt at the time uh, that I was a creative person. I could create um, music or design, like I'm a communication, like a podcast, like I could create these things to communicate, right? And so, um, so create was my number one strength. My number one passion was when people really understand things, whether it's understand God, understand what God has for them, understand um, what Barry talked about in the sermon. Like that's why the show kind of exists is to help create understanding for people at Grace Church. And so create understanding was my, my North star. And so I've used that the past few years to kind of try to figure out what, what my purpose even is. And I feel like it's changed throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's gone from like fighting justice to fighting against pain to fighting against 
um, hatred and things like that. And so right now I would say I, I'm firmly, whatever it is, it, it points to helping p- create understanding for people to engage with God at a deeper level mm. or with who they are at a deeper level. So right now I would say that the broken place I would identify the past few years has been hatred. I'm less of a, like you, I'm less of a, let's bring everybody together. And I'm more of a stop hating. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the eighth eat haters. Yeah, yeah. It's been really fun when yeah. we have had conversations. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, care le- I care less about like making sure everybody feels good and like welcome and more like, Get out of here if you're hating. Like, I hate it yeah. when you hate people. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes people need a kick in the pants. Hey, I couldn't agree more. And with yeah. that, we're finna. No. <laughs> I, I want to affirm in you, Tyler, that you are very good at that. At, at Not the hatred part. About the helping people understand things. I've had multiple people say, Tyler always asks questions yes. that are exactly what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're just, that's how you're wired and you're so, you're very yeah. good at that. Guys, this... This turned out to be a great See? podcast. <laughs> Started a little rocky. <laughs> we brought it home. Thank you. We always will. Yeah. Well, Maggie, thank you so much for coming in. It was awesome to have you. You're yeah. welcome anytime. Okay, I'll anytime. be back next week. Well, <laughs> Just knock on the window. I'm here, guys. Uh, that wraps up uh, You Were Made for More sermon series. So, oh, Which Jed said he wished was going longer. So if there's any other You were made for listener, more sermons about being made for more. We'll have another series called You're Still Made for More. And <laughs> we'll just hit other, even more. other themes. Yeah. 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 He, was, no, I, he was bummed. This yeah. has been a really good one for him and for so many others. That's awesome. One of the best things for me is... I learned that this is what Jesus was doing all along. Mm. He was calling people from out to do or be more than what they currently thought that they were. And I didn't even think about that when we were talking about this being something that Grace Church wanted to resonate with. But Mm -hmm. that was the biggest thing for me is like, oh, Jesus went throughout the whole Bible, like calling people out for more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. But uh, where are we going next? What are we doing? We are switching into a new series on the book of Exodus. We're continuing the series that we started back uh, whenever that was doing, going through Genesis, the different, yeah. the patriarchs called out. What was it called before that? Origins or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We did origins and then we did called out talking about the patriarchs and now right. we're going into the book of Exodus and this next series will be a six week series from Exodus one to 15. So if you haven't read that before we start the series, I would recommend anyone listening, just read through one through 15, just to familiarize yourself with the story before we dive in. Um, or you could watch the Christian, um, Christian Bale movie, gods and Kings or something. Stop. What is no. what <laughs> the story? What is that movie? <laughs> Prince of Egypt. Watch that yeah. one instead. Yeah. Uh, here's the deal. So we're going to talk about Exodus and it's going to be a little bit historical, a little bit about the characters and stuff, but what it's really about is uh, a God who keeps his promises. So we're going to focus in on the promise keeping nature of our God. And um, uh, hopefully this weekend I'm preaching again this coming weekend. And I'm really hopeful that uh, I will help people understand that this story, this Exodus story, is actually um, a w- one that sort of gets repeated throughout time and throughout history because God is a God who saves us and who fulfills His promises to us. So, um, yeah, and then we'll go through the rest of the the rest of the series, looking at the different uh, 
events and how they fit together with the idea of a God that keeps his promises. I'm excited about the series coming up because we've already been talking about it in meetings and, you know, getting ready for these services that are coming. And if the conversations that have been sparked in those meetings are any indication of what it's going to bring up and what it's going to stir in us as a church, then that's really exciting. Cool. Yeah. Can't wait. Neat. Do you feel like a cricket button that you could play? (gasps) Gotta get a cricket. That would be good. It's neat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So that starts next weekend. Marin, until then, we please send us out. I will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we will see you on the other side of Sunday. I never get that outro right. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) 